This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 196. And the quote of the day is, if one dream dies, dream another dream. If you get knocked down, get back up and go at it again. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. Thanks very much for checking it out. And I can't talk for some reason. I'm fumbling over my words. Anyway, session 196 is here. And if you have missed any of the other ones, you can check them all out at drummersresource.com. All 195 other ones. And also, the podcast has been nominated for a 2016 Drummy Award by Drum Magazine. Last year, we won runner up and this year I really want to win uh it's I'm just I would like to, I would like to win it it would be awesome so that's the one thing I'm going to ask you to do uh I you know these these podcasts are free I don't ask for money or anything like that all I ask now is that you head over to drummersresource.com forward slash vote v-o-t-e and you can vote for Drummer's Resource under Best General Interest Drumming Site. So if you've gotten any value out of any of these 196 podcasts, please take 30 seconds. And you don't have to vote for everyone in there. You can just vote for, like, you don't have to vote for every category, I should say. You only have to vote for the one the categories that you want to vote for. And Best General Interest website is what Drummer's Resource is under. So I would really, really appreciate the vote. Now, with that said, let's get into the interview with Mike Miley. And Mike is the drummer from Rival Sons. If you haven't heard of Rival Sons, you are missing out. These guys are, they're amazing. They kind of remind me of Vintage Trouble, who I had Richard Danielson on here from that band. And I know that they tour together sometimes and things like that. But Rival Sons are, they're a little bit edgier. And some people say they sound like Led Zeppelin. I, I think they got their own sound. But this is a really great interview, especially because Mike talks about quitting drums, just was done with playing completely 100%, and then felt like it was his destiny to, to keep playing. And now he's in this band and they're touring all over the world. They're on tour with Black Sabbath now. So really cool. He talks about sort of, we go deep, we go down a bunch of different roads about talking about health and and talking about practicing and getting back into it and he's taking lessons again and 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 things like that so a really insightful interview a really great interview and i hope that you enjoy it so let's get into it with mike miley mike what's happening man thanks for doing this i appreciate it how's it going it's good to be here it's going well, well. i'm actually there but you're there and I'm here. Is this but... you? Because this is me. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, probably seven time zones from you right now, but in Europe. Yeah, where are you? Oh, yeah, you're, you're, where are you? I'm in Estonia. It's, uh, so is that where you live? Northeast um, part of Europe, yeah. I, I live here half the time. My wife, my wife is Estonian, and okay. um, about half the year I'm on tour, and half the year I'm between... The USA, California, and uh, and Estonia. So, interesting. So, yeah. how how long have you lived there? Um, uh, five years. Five okay. years. I've okay. known my wife. So we have a two year old son, almost three. It's crazy. He might even uh, he might even make a, a cameo appearance in this uh, podcast. Well, actually, uh, that was the re I wanted to interview you, but I actually <laughs> I really wanted to interview your son. 
Hey man, he's a future uh he's a future Rachmaninoff piano concerto player, so like better it. watch out. Yeah. I like it. So did you meet your wife on tour? Yep. Classic uh, yeah. classic story. Yep. Uh, never never thought I would uh come to Estonia, let alone live here. Um right. I saw Estonia in the tour dates and I had no idea where that was. I I saw Poland, Warsaw, and then I saw Helsinki, mm-hmm. and then I saw that uh, Tallinn, Estonia, was a date in between those, and I was I was like, okay, I, I have no idea. I didn't even know it was a Baltic state. So anyway, we got here, and she was the one girl who didn't come up to the merch booth to ask for autographs and or buy like you know buy stuff, and um, she was she was hanging out kind of far away. And then I approached her and she asked me for a guitar pick. So (laughs) she had no interest in me whatsoever. (laughs) So, (laughs) which, which, you know, to make, to make the chase, it was, uh, you know, she made me chase her, which is good. So I I, I caught her and I won. (laughs) (laughs) So this is my ignorance. What language do they speak in Estonia? They speak Estonian. So really? Yeah. It's a former Soviet state. I got Um, you. And they were freed up in 91, 92-ish. I think it was made official. And, um, but they always maintain their language. And, but they've been owned by Russia, Germany, Sweden, Vikings. Wow. <laughs> so, so how's your Estonian? Minu estikelt on vagahea. So right. I'm, uh, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm cool. studying. Studying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I also hear that you're a, uh, a, a gardener and um some other things but yeah. we'll get we'll get into uh we'll get into all the hydroponics and all that stuff in a little bit um, sure but so <laughs> let's let's talk about rival sons and let's talk about uh specifically your role uh and and what you've been doing ever since you know like you joined this band but what were you doing before that how did this whole thing come about um i was basically starving and had no gigs and um and I was calling friends like uh, my old bass player. My first band is called Bird Three. You should, could, you should write it down or um, you can get it on um, iTunes uh, or Amazon or Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Bird Three. It's kind of like Husker uh, Du meets the Foo Fighters, um, Bob Mould, like Chicago rock. Um, and... Uh, and that that we were we were signed to Emergent Records 2001, and um, September 11th happened, and like industry kind of died for a while, and we got dropped. And um, I quit playing drums in 2002, and I was like, screw this business, I hate the music business. I still do, actually. Footnote. <laughs> um, but uh, I love playing. I I, I realized that uh, I have to play. I have to play the drums. I have to express myself that way. I'm not a good talker, so you'll you'll hear me stumbling over my words through this whole podcast, but, um, so what were you doing in the, so you were just like, I'm done. I'm not playing drums anymore. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to just go get a day gig and be done. Yeah. And then, and then I got a call, um, from a guy named Justin Knox and he got me, uh, he's a producer in LA now. And, um, he was a funky, funky bass player in a funk band. And, um, my, my roots are, are funk Brazilian, um, jazz, big band jazz and stuff. Uh, so I met a friend of his in college and then he was trying to get me in his band. I'm like, no, I quit. I quit. And then he started offering me like pretty good money for the gigs. And I, and I was broke. I was waiting tables. And, um, and so 
trying to make a long story short. So I, I, I started playing again and then I, uh, I started gigging with this guy called Joe, Joe Firstman and he was on Atlantic records and, um, that sort of, uh, dissipated. Um, we opened for Cheryl Crow and Willie Nelson. It was pretty fun nice. and had a lot of it, like ha- hanging out with Sean Pelton. He was, he was playing with, uh, uh, Cheryl at the time. And, mm. uh, uh, st- uh briefly took lessons with Sean Pelton. And, uh, the first lesson I took with Sean Pelton, we smoked cigars and drank whiskey and, nice. and just talk shop, talk, talk business. And then the second lesson I had with him, um, he set up a, a mock studio session and, um, just basically brutally kicked my ass. Um, and, uh, and then, so Joe, Joe started doing the Carson Daly show. He was the house band leader. And, um, so I started playing on the house band for Carson Daly and so I was kind of resurrecting myself. Um, meanwhile, while I was in that resurrection mode where I was broke, I, I called my old bass player from bird three back to that. And, um, and I just said, Hey, you know, anybody looking for a drummer <laughs> and, uh, just that classic call that we've probably all made. And, um, and he's like, yeah, actually I do. You should call this guy, Scott holiday. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he found anybody He was auditioning drummers and he's got a band and, he actually auditioned Nick Lucero, who, who played mm. with the Queens of Stone Age. He's yeah. um, uh, he's uh, Brian Ferry's drummer now, I think. And um, and Nick actually got the gig, and then went to Brazil for a couple weeks. And I called him and begged him. I was like, "You have to hear me play, Scott." And um, we we're both vegetarians. We were both into like the blues and and you know Zeppelin and and Wolf Mother was just coming out and. Um, and so that's how that's how Scott and I uh, basically form rival sons. The the band he had, I basically I, I fired the bass player right off the bat, and then told him that we should hire a new bass player that can play jazz. <laughs> and so we got uh, we we got a bass player, and um, and then we formed rival sons with Jay Jay Buchanan, our singer, who uh, I played with a bunch. And um, so yeah, the rival sons is like a it was like a five year evolution, um, before we started touring in, in like 2010. So, mm. it, so it was, a it was a long process. Meanwhile, I was playing Carson Daly show, um, which was great. Cause I, one of my dreams was, um, which was cool to study with, with Sean Pelton. Um, one of my dreams is to play on the, the Saturday night live house band. Um, um, an, an older dream was, uh, Dave Letterman, but he's, uh, he's retired now. So can't do that uh, anymore. Yeah. So I, I did Carson Daly show and we, we did that, the opening music and the, the walk to desk music and the go to commercial music. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really fun. Um, we made up songs on the spot. Like he'd be like blues and E, E to A, E to A. And we just, we just play blues and, um, or, you know, funk rock in seven in b flat you know because if we had horns or something right right. and uh so yeah you just have to like boom right on the spot come up with a funk rock groove (laughs) so it's interesting that you you're like i quit playing i quit playing drums and then you come back and you just get the gig for the carson daly show (laughs) well i was i was one of three drummers or three or four of us that were used over the course of a four or five year period. I got you. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, so I didn't have the gig, but, um, I'm friends with all the dr- other drummers. It was Donald Barrett. Who's still playing a bunch Peisty guy. And, um, uh, Dave Goodstein and, um, Paul Allen. Those are like, 
kind of the we were the four main guys um, right. doing it. Yeah, it was so it was pretty fun. Showbiz isn't a bad gig, man. My buddy James is the is the uh, drummer for Conan. And, oh, killer! And yeah. he's like, he loves it. You know? Yeah. So not those a bad are gig. Oh, James um, Wormworth. Yeah, I know Worm. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Tell Worm that Miley said hi. I'm a friend of Karen's. He'll he'll know he'll know who I am. I spent some time with him in a. In uh, 2008, we spent nice. a lot of time together. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Worm is a good dude, man. He's a good dude. His pops, is, his pops is a hell of a drummer too. Who's his? Who's his, his dad, dad Jimmy Wormworth. He played with Jimmy like Wormworth. he played with oh. all the old jazz cats. I mean, he's played with like Duke Ellington and like all oh, kinds shit. of cra- like okay. he's yeah Horace or uh, Horace Silver, all types of different people. You know, he was when I was hanging with him. He was. Uh, he was filling in for, for Max. For Max Weinberg, Max, yeah. Max was on, uh, I think, when they, the Bruce, the E Street Band reunited or whatever, right. and it was right when, when Worm started playing um, uh, regularly. And, the crazy uh, thing about that whole thing is they hired, the Conan O'Brien show hired that whole entire band except Worm. Wow. They were a band already, and they hired everybody yeah. except Worm because they were getting Max Weinberg to head the band. Yeah, and they were yeah. like, "We got the gig," and he's like, "Great." And he's like, and "They're like, well, we got the gig. You didn't get the oh. gig." <laughs> so, That's but then the, when they moved uh, to LA, he got the gig, and you know, the rest is history, as they say. So, yeah, that's cool. So, I'll have to let him know that we were uh, we were talking about. Him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, so going backwards a little bit, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit, but you had mentioned, uh, you know, the things that you grew up playing and things like that. So I sort of put a pin yeah. in that. So. First of all, how old were you when you started playing, and what was what was your upbringing? Was it just playing it, playing along with tunes, or did you go more the learn route with the learning rudiments and and studying with a teacher and pad work and all that stuff? I I I have uh, I guess it's uh, by by or whatever. It's two way. I got you. <laughs> um, I uh, I was trying to sound smart there for a second. I was hoping you weren't going to look at me for help because I was like I don't know I don't know where he's going with this. So. Um, yeah, so I started out by rote, you know, learning. My dad's a guitar player, and uh, he was always he was into who played on what record. So uh, immediately, you know, four years old, I, I'm I'm turned on to Jeff Beccaro, Steve Gadd. Um, I, I didn't all the know, hacks. Right. Yeah, I didn't know who they were. My dad was just like, "That's Jeff Beccaro on drums. Listen, listen to that bass drum." And um, and you know, Steely Dan was a mm. huge soundtrack of my childhood, and um, and so I grew up in the '70s, and so I, you know, Jackson Brown, the Eagles, Joni Mitchell's, uh, Steely Dan, um, Seals and Croft, uh, Toto, um, you know, disco, the Bee Gees. I loved the Bee Gees and Disco Inferno. Man, I I could groove that like all day. And so I learned when I was four. I learned, you know you know, Billy Jean, you know? Right. And, and then I got a kit when I was nine and then, uh, I just had vinyl. I had records and I had like queen, like under pressure, that album, Mm -hmm. um, Toto, Toto four, uh, with Rosanna and seven Grammys, um, Billy Jean or thriller, Michael Jackson thriller, Madonna's first album. Um, and then like a virgin, so, so a lot of John Robinson. Um, I was gonna but, say who played on that? Was that Jr. Jr. Yeah, yeah. He he played on um on off the wall too, man. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I had him on the podcast. I know he played on that, and Dugu played on on Thriller. 
Yeah. Um, but I wasn't sure who played on the on the Jr. Indugu, Jr. and Jeff Picaro played on Thriller. Right. Right. Um, Indugu played Billy Jean mm-hmm. and Thriller. Jeff Picaro, uh, I think, played Human Nature and um, Beat It. Jeff Picaro played Beat It. Mm-hmm. John Robinson. Then there's program stuff. Anyway, that's an amazing album. That was like right when CDs started coming out. We got Toto Four and Thriller, and uh, so then I started playing the CDs. But so my my background is not Rival Sons based. Mm-hmm. Um, closest to classic rock I was raised on was um, the Beatles and Paul McCartney. Uh, my mom and my sister uh, were. My, my sister was huge Paul McCartney Wings fan, and um, my family's all Beatles fans. And my dad had physical graffiti, but I never dabbled into that until I was a teenager. And uh, I got into Cream as well. My dad was a huge Eric Clapton fan, but I wasn't gravitating towards Cream. I, I loved, I, I listened to Asia like 20 times <laughs> before I was like seven years old, you know? Like <laughs> I was, I loved Steely Dan. I loved, um, that that kind of approach, that clean, clean drumming, which yeah, yeah. I have, I have zero of that in my playing, which is <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> I just interviewed Bernard and was talking to him about that, like playing, uh, playing uh, uh, home at last and all that stuff. Like, oh yeah, it's just there's there's just that that thing that like I don't even know what it is. It's just that magic that you hear and you're like, man. I don't think yeah. I'm ever going to be able to play like that. <laughs> so, I mean, that whole record is. I mean... Yeah. Um, yeah. Bernard is, uh, is also huge when I started studying. So then in high school, I, I quit football, American football. If there's any European listeners, um, there's uh, we, I, the rival sons has a lot of European fans. You might, mm. you might gain some European followers. Nice. There's actually a, a really big audience, uh, European audience. Oh, cool. An Australian cool. audience. What's up to all my Australian peeps. What's up Aussies. That's there's cool. A, yeah. There's a big, uh, there's definitely a big international, uh, Oh, great, man. The, the, so, which is great. We just played, uh, with black set. We're on the, on tour with black Sabbath, the mm. main, main support. And, um so we just did australia we just finished a european tour and are you playing in the states with them too yeah we we start uh, um in two weeks two weeks from today um august 17th in new jersey or in uh, long island we start in long island um at jones jones beach jones beach yeah yeah and um yeah we start with them there um and we do sit like six weeks in the usa and canada i think we hit toronto and then um and then we do South America in November, and then uh, Europe, UK in January, February, and then we're um, as of now. I think we're done. I'm not, I'm not sure what the, I gotcha. the dates are, but um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, I started. Um, I quit football and started. I got. I joined the jazz band under the direction of uh, Chuck Wackerman. If uh, there's any drum nerds out there, you got to know Brooks Wackerman and Chad mm-hmm. Wackerman, John Wackerman, the whole family. Every single one of them are amazing. Yeah, yeah. They're. I used to skateboard with Brooks. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, when we were kids, and so, um, uh, he he was he's a little younger than me, so I had a driver's license, and he would want me to drive, drive him to Bolsa Chica from Seal Beach, and um, 
we'd skateboard and try to meet chicks. And um, I like it. That, that was his thing. Let's go meet some chicks. And I'm like, dude, teach me how to play paradiddles faster. <laughs> and uh, he 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 didn't want to have anything to do with like drumming at all, like on his off time, because that kid played nine hours a day, you know, right uh, on a 12 piece DW <laughs> kit. <laughs> but yeah, so I started uh, in jazz band and then, you know, hanging in jazz band with all the band geeks, you, you learn like um, who Miles Davis is and Coltrane and um, uh, Dexter Gordon, big band stuff, you know, Mel Lewis, Buddy Rich, of course, Gene Krupa. Um, our high school, we did a concert with Louis Belson. So I got to sit behind him and watch him. Um, I, I got turned on to Frank Zappa, uh, in high school. And so then that's a whole, so you have the, the rabbit hole of Steely Dan right. drummers, and then you have the rabbit hole of, uh, of Frank Zappa drummers. And, and so you just start seeing like these different, uh, the, the pedigree of, of these guys is just so ridiculously high, you know? And so, you know how high the bar can be. And so you just start going for it, you right. know? And that's when I, um, I started studying with Roy Burns. Um, mm, I love Roy. Yeah. When I was, I started college and uh, I was in the Fullerton college jazz band in California and, um, started studying with Roy and, um, getting my jazz chops up and big band chops is a whole nother world. Um, to, to, to have in your, in your tool shed. And, and I got my ass kicked, uh, every day. And then I went to Long Beach state and got into world, world percussion, world drumming and Brazilian drumming big time. Started studying with, uh, Chalo Eduardo. And, um, uh, I ended up leading the Samba band at, at Cal state university, Long Beach, um, for about three years, uh, my junior year, senior year, and a year after, uh, I just took over the the band from our our our, our leader, and um, he had gone to Brazil and learned a few of the call-ins and the hepinique parts and the and the surdo parts. But I I went nuts and was like studying like all the drummers of Sergio Mendes, and you know right. you know when you, yeah. when you go you have to go down rabbit holes, man. They're like for every any genre you're in, if you're a metal guy, um, you know you have to know Bill Ward, you have to know Ian Pace, you know you right. have to know like the roots of, of metal. You have to know Lars Ulrich. You have, you know, I actually I'm, went down that r rabbit hole a little bit with Brazilian too, with like, I played with, with Chalo Eduardo and then uh, a guy named Ney Rosaro. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Brazilian yeah. percussionist. Um, so just sort of like went down that, went down that Brazilian rabbit hole. I didn't go as deep as I should have, but I mm -hmm. went, I went pretty deep. I went pretty deep. It's just like, it was just fascinating to me because it's something totally different than what you're used to playing as, you know, as a, oh, yeah. as an American, you know, playing like American rock or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, um, uh, you, you quickly learn that you have to have the swingy. So you mm -hmm. have to swing, it has to swing. It's not like, it even has like a, a body movement, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like, you see the carnival dancers, um, kick, you know, kicking their heels out and they're shaking their butts and, um, you know, tassels on the nipples and the big, uh, peacock fans, you know, right. the, the whole thing. And, um, I, I played in a group with Chalo, um, and we, we toured with Mickey Hart from the dead. Nice. And, um, it was called the further festival. And, uh, so that was like my first tour was doing that stuff. I probably um, saw you at further festival. Oh yeah. Which, which yeah. Which in, city? uh, in I guess it was in Pennsylvania, so it would be, 
I guess maybe it was like Harrisburg or like, like, like where I'm trying to think Pretty. it was actually, I think it was by Shippensburg university. So it's like, Sometimes like, those, those, those festivals are out like in farmland and it, or the amphitheaters are kind of outside of right. the big town. And I remember, I yeah. mean, I know that, uh, Mickey Hart was there. It was planet drum. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that what it was? Uh, I think it, his, it was called mystery box. Actually, it was, was it, uh, Dave Garibaldi, Zakir Hussain, Giovanni Odalgo, Sekiru, um, percussion. He had five percussionists. Man, um, I don't know. It was insane. I, I studied with I, Dave Garibaldi that summer. It was, it was. I know that I saw, I saw Mickey Hart at Further Fest. Okay. And I remember there was a girl playing violin with a wah-wah pedal. Okay. That might've been like the second year. Okay. Um, I just remember that so, too. I don't <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That, and so my, that, that experience was, was big. Um, and, you know, learning the feels and learning the calls and Collins leading the band, leading Hepanike, leading 20 drummers, um, you know, 20 white guys in Long Beach, you know, trying to play a, a South American thing and, and um, trying to communicate that that rhythmic vernacular, you know, right. is um, I think sort of put this is part of the bricks, you know, that build built my my building, you know, like um, it's I, I don't like in Rival Sons, I'm not playing a lot of like Latin grooves in my solos. I take a solo every once in a while. I'll throw in some Latin stuff in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, so college college opened up my my thing just like um, even more. And then I started studying with Chuck Silverman and um, and then we studied with um, via via video camera, Clyde Stubblefield. Nice. And uh, so I did Funky Drummer, Give It Up or Turn It Loose and um, uh, Make It Funky. Mm. So um, so those three songs, you know, um, you know, I was scared, scared, um, scared white kid and, you know, trying to play like you know, black music. It's a, it's a whole, that's a whole nother world. You have to, you, you have to literally spend, um, if you know, I I'm middle-class suburbia, you know, th that culture of where like Motown comes from, where stacks comes from the South, like, um, you know, Sam cook, like you have behind you and, um, mm -hmm. Otis Redding and, and, um, that, that's a whole nother, a whole nother vernacular, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's like learning Brazilian or learning all yeah. this other. It's like understanding. It's not just notes on a page or just something that you're hearing and you're just going to transcribe. It's like, where did it come from? What's, what's yeah. the feeling behind of it? Well, you know, behind it, why is it, why is it this way? You know, it's, it's like well, music. It, music is like a language, right? We're, we're communicating, we're communicating something. And just like you, you study Spanish in a book or in your, your high school class and then but you go actually go to mexico or you go to spain and, and, and you immerse yourself and that's where you learn how to speak spanish mm -hmm. you know you okay yeah i know how to say me llamo michael uh yo quiero uh you know right so you you, you know the the conjugations but it's when you when you get you get in a bar and you start talking to people in barcelona and that you're you're like it's fight or flight, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you get, I went to Brazil by myself and, uh, with a backpack and, and just put myself, uh, down there for two weeks and, and it was nuts. So, you know, you, you learn by falling on your face, you know, yep. that's, um, huge part of like, I mean, the, 
the whole Tim Ferriss thing, all the, all the people he has on his podcast, you know, are, are crazy entrepreneurs, but each one will tell you, you know, you got it. You have to step out there and, and, and put your whole, whole being in, in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I mean, you know, to speak on that about, about the failure aspect of things, like you're going to fail. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're attempting, what, how good you are at something, how much research you've done, you know, how many smart people you have surrounding you, whatever it is, whether it's a, you know, drumming or a business or a band or, or anything, you're going to fail. You're going to screw things yeah. up. You're going to, you're not going to, you're not going to hit it out of the park every time. And as long as you're, as long as you're willing to put in that 110% and, you know, and being okay with failing and learning from it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm still failing and learning. <laughs> I'm still, of course. Um, today I, I like right now I'm, I'm, I'm going back into pocket, like kind of peeling a new layer. Cause I was going to say that you were screwing up this interview, but I, I was going to go somewhere totally different. With it. Never mind. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm uh, like, come uh, on to my podcast, then I'll insult you and yeah. for everyone to listen hey, I to. Can, I can take it, man. I'm <laughs> I'm uh, I'm thick skin. I was kidding, um, by the way. But but okay. I speaking of skin, I'm I'm peeling off a new layer of the onion of uh, like when you practice and you you start spending years playing and gigging and, and, and I started practicing again, uh, last year I started studying with Dave Elich and, um, and we went square one with my technique cause my, my, my technique sucked. And, um, I was, I was getting like injuries and, and like, or just little, little, uh, little annoyances, you know, in the mm -hmm. shoulders. And there's shows where I, like, I couldn't, um, put my, my shoulder, you know, my arm above my head, two minutes before I'm going on stage and, Jeez. and wrist wrists hurting. And, um, through the years I've had like acupuncture on like tennis elbows and stuff. And, um, but, uh, I, I, um, I got sick of that and, and I started get doing physical therapy and I started seeing like, uh, like mechanics, body mechanics and getting into that stuff and, um, gymnastics, mobility and CrossFit and, uh, you know, all kinds of mobility. Here's here's a um here's a guy here's, here's the cameo here's the, here's the cameo yeah he's coming on in um and uh and then I hit up Dave Elitch through a, fr a friend of a friend Elmo Lovano I don't know if you know him I don't or interviewed him um uh and I so basically he 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 goes in the room and um uh you go in the room with him it's two drum sets and he's just like okay play and then he instantly goes all right I know what we need to do <laughs> like like two bars into me playing. He's like, right. okay, stop. <laughs> and, um, it was extremely humbling. I'm, I'm touring the world with rival sons having, you know, we're not like, we're not like Bon Jovi status, but we're, you know, we're not a garage band. We're, right. we're, we're touring in a bus all around the world and building our fan base one fan at a time. And, um, so yeah, it's quite humbling to, to go back to, uh, like wrist strokes, you know, you know, just yeah, doing isn't, isn't that the mark of, of a successful person? That's what you do. You humble yourself and, yeah. and you know, you, you get rid of your ego and you just say, Hey, I'm going to, there's some things I need to work on and you can, yeah. or you can be the guy who's like, no, I'm too good for that, man. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, then you sound like shit or your yeah. technique goes out the window or whatever. All, all you have to do is go, go watch Vinnie Caliuta or Keith Carlock or Dave Weckl or, 
you know, like right. Watch, watch one of these guys, Thomas Pridgen, Dave, Dave Elich, uh, you know, Tony Royster Jr. Dude, like, go. Oh, if you think you're think, if you think you're bad, go, go right now. Go, go, uh, search Tony Royster Jr. on YouTube and tell me that you're bad. Tell me and you're bad. Watch at. the video of him playing when he was twelve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he's eight and he's yeah. playing like uh, three camps. And improvising over, you know, yeah. gad licks. And so, um, so yeah, I, I, I got into uh, my technique like big time. And so now, like today I was working on um, playing grooves like with the least amount of um, effort possible because I used to stick, like stick every beat with like every muscle you know um, squeezing I, everything and yeah like yeah. uh like too much intent you know mm -hmm. and I, i'm i'm trying to let everything bounce um right now but still sound like billy jean you know right, right. and but just with a like with a lighter um feel i never used to look like this when i played you know mm -hmm. i was always like tensed up and gritting your yeah. teeth and yeah. and you see guys like this you see the um uh, like uh who's the dude in deftones like i like i when i watch him i'm like ow oh my body hurts when i watch him but he's just drilling it and you're like ah! i don't there's i don't know how people play so so tense i it just i mean by the end of the night i'd be dead yeah and and that's what i started feeling um um super tired after shows and then i changed my technique um, and meanwhile, I, I, I started running again and doing CrossFit and like taking care of myself and yoga and, uh, gymnastics, mobility stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and that like, you know, I could play a two hour set now and, um, and with rival sons, I don't know if you're, if your listeners are familiar, but it's, it's pretty demanding physically. I'm soaking wet when I'm done. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I burn eight, eight to a thousand calories. I've, I've monitored myself, um, uh, so, you know, 800 to a thousand calories, depending on how long we play. So it's physically demanding. I'm, I'm, um, you know, a thousand calories is almost a half marathon. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so I, I'm, <laughs> I mean, this isn't any news to any, most drummers right. sweat and work. This session is brought to you by my friends at DW Drums, and I love me some DW Drums. You've heard me say it millions of times before, but I want you to check them out. They make great drums, but they support this podcast. They've been supporting this podcast for over a year and a half now. That keeps it free for all the listeners, and I love the whole atmosphere that is DW. The whole It's a family vibe. They're a family-owned company, and you can check them out in Oxnard, California. You can go around and, and check out where they make the drums and everything, which is about 45 minutes north of LA. So if you're ever in that area, I suggest checking it out, and just do yourself a favor. Go over to DWDrums.com. Check out what they have, and also thank them for supporting the podcast. Also, we talk a lot about books on the podcast. We mentioned a few in this episode and you can get a free audiobook if you go to audible.com forward slash drummer. So audible is all of your favorite book titles in audio form so that you can listen to them on the go. And I use audible.com. I use the app 
every day, every single day I walk around listening to some form of audiobook. And they're a sponsor of this podcast, so you can get a free audiobook if you go to audible.com forward slash drummer, sign up for a free trial and download one of over 250,000 titles that they have. That's audible.com forward slash drummer. I highly recommend that you check them out. Also, Evans is a sponsor once again, and they remind you to let no circle box you in. The Evans Level 360 head gives you precise tuning and an accurate fit every time to get the sound that you need. You can learn more about Evans and all of their great drum heads at EvansDrumHeads.com. Now let's get back into it with the rival sons, Mike Miley. We talked earlier about how you were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to quit playing and I'm frustrated and I don't want to do this anymore to now where you're completely the opposite. And you're like, I want to dig deeper and I want to work on this. And I want to, you know, I really want to fine tune my playing and I'm really into it. What do you think, what do you think has been the biggest driving force behind you sort of rediscovering the drums and falling back in love? And the reason why I ask is because I know that there's people who are listening because I felt it too. Like, that have frustration or that, you know, some days are like, you know what, I'm just, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like it's a waste of time or I just don't love it anymore. Like I used to. So what do you think were some of the things that got you back into it? Or was there like a, a mind shift change or, or walk us through that? Man, it's so many things. Cause every day is different. Touring's different. Coming home, coming home from the road. I, I usually take two weeks off. I don't touch a drum. I don't think about a drum. Right. Um, and I psych, I have to psych myself out, uh, da- like daily on tour. I, I'm like, I mean, I'm going to go on stage in front of 20,000 people opening for black Sabbath. You'd think I'd be stoked, but I didn't get sleep last night. The plane ride sucked. We were stuck at the airport and, um, my hotel had bu- bed bugs and I didn't get a shower. Okay. I didn't get to work out today. I'm pissed. Uh, catering sucked, whatever you're like, you, you know, I, uh, you try not to be a diva out there because right. uh, you won't work if, if you're a dick or if you're a diva. Um, you're not going to work, right? It, it, unless you're, you know, just shredding like Tony Royster or something. I mean, uh, and even then, Tony Royster is one of the nicest people I ever met. So mm-hmm. there's no there's no excuse to be a dick ever. So um, so how uh, about but, before when you were like really frustrated with the instrument as a whole? When you were like, I quit, I'm done. Like what, what got, what got you back into it? Well, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll get there in in one second. Just like like on a daily basis, I, I, like I will literally go on YouTube and, and search Tony Williams snare drum solo. And, and then I'll just find like five videos. And then in 20 minutes, I'm like, hell yeah. And it gets me back in the thing or I'll watch a Toto video or I'll watch, um, Bonham solo Moby Dick or, or, um, so, so growing up, um, like DVDs and VHS of, of like the live, like Zeppelin, uh, song remains the same. And, and, you know, these live videos, now we have YouTube, everything's at our fingertips. So, so you can go in and, 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 or I'll just watch a Dave Elitch, you know, drum channel thing. And, mm-hmm. um, and that'll, that'll psych me out or I'll go for a 10 mile run and, um, I'll, I'll find something with my breathing and my steps that goes, inhale, exhale, you know, I'll be like, whoa, this is up for the downstroke to get everybody get up. 
So like you're, you're running and you're, you're thinking of tunes and I'm always trying to inspire myself um, because it's, you lose inspiration every day. I mean, you know, Van, Van Gogh, you know, went crazy. I mean, artists, mm-hmm. artists aren't always like painting pictures, you know? And so, right. Um, but back when I wanted to quit, I, I, um, I got called by Richard Dashett who produced Fleetwood Mac rumors amongst other things, but he, uh, was producing a, a, a New Zealand artist and, um, invited me to go to Ojai, this like resort town in California, mm-hmm. wine country. And, um, uh, he's like, yeah, three days. It's, it was like a bunch of money, you know, hotel rooms, everything's paid. And I, I was broke at the time. And, um, and I was ardently like not playing drums. And so, um, I got there and did, the, I did 12 songs with this guy and it was like the 12th song and it was the final day. And, um, it was, uh, the song with a super extended chorus ending. So it was like building and building and building, um, to the final chorus, you know, like, and, and there's a bunch of people in the tracking room and we were just nailing this thing and we finished the song and fireworks, you know, one of those kind of moments. And, uh, I remember, and everybody's jumping up and down in the, in the control room and like the, the, we got the take look, you know, it's, which is way better than, um, the arms crossed. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> like we got to do uh, it again. Yep. And, um, Oh, are you guys eating French toast in there? No. <laughs> um, so most people, some people will get that reference. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I put my headphones down on the snare drum and I looked around the room. It was Christine McVie's studio, Fleetwood Mac. And I'm like, this is where I belong. This is my desk. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a, a waiter. I'm not a bartender. I'm not laying tile anymore. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not painting houses. Um, all this, this grunt work I was doing. Um, I'm a drummer. I, 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 I deserve to be in front of 15,000 people. Like I just, I just knew, um, that was in my, my blood or my DNA, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's in my cards or my, um, my destiny or fate, you know, cause I'm still working my ass trying to make, um, ends meet and make, make things happen. But, um, rival sons is, is slowly, but surely ascending, but rock and roll, um, the blues, bluesy rock and roll that we play is not the, the rock niche. The rock niche right now is post-punk and post-metal and new metal and, uh, you know, uh, prog metal. And I mean, metal is metal is king. I mean, we're going up mm-hmm. against five finger death punch and Avenged Sevenfold and, you know, and bands with like five names in the, in the name, you know, and like, <laughs> I, I don't rival sons is, and we put electric man up against these songs and, um, you know, open my eyes, these songs that we've been putting out, keep on swinging. Uh, we've had number one songs in Canada and, um, and just people just don't buy those records anymore. People just aren't buying records much in general, but right. there are people still buying records, man. So I still buy records. So, um, uh, we have a niche and we're trying to find it, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just went all around in a huge circle back to now. So no, that's, that's where we wanted to go. I, you know, I, I interviewed, um, <clears throat> Daniel Richardson from, yeah. uh, from, uh, Vintage Vintage. Trouble. And I sort of, I don't, I don't think that you guys sound the same, but I put you guys sort of in the same area together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the one thing that, you know, he was saying the same thing. He's like, we're not, <clears throat> we're not like the, we're not the mainstream thing that everybody's going to go running after, but we have our, our niche and we have our, 
we have our fans and things like that. The one thing that I think is interesting, though, is that you got, I mean, obviously you guys do well in the States, but you guys do really, really well in Europe, too. Mm. And yeah. is there, why do you think that is? Why do you think that it it just, it works really well in Europe? Do you think that people are more open to it? Do you think that there's more of a of an appreciation for art still in, in Europe or outside of the U.S.? Or what do you think it is? I don't want to put words or thoughts into your you know, your mouth or mind. It's right? it's a different time. It's not it's not the '60s and the '70s or the '80s. Uh, USA used to be the the trendsetter, and and now with the internet and the world world music and and like electronic music in France, you know, like I would never have known about um, that when I was in high school. It was mm-hmm. um, the American market was was king, and now. It's it's so the music business has taken such a left turn in in the U.S. Um, it, it's so pop driven, algorithmic driven. Um, people are afraid to spend money, take risks. Record companies aren't selling as much records, so there's less money to take risks. And so it's just a big, um, uh, vicious uh, circle. Uh, in terms of like what it used to be, and 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 now labels uh, i think have to think think differently um in europe people are still um it's kind of like a blessing uh and and not a curse <laughs> um they're 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 years behind us in the states in that like they're not like kind of dumbed down and i don't i'm not putting down my my own country but we're we're so inundated with entertainment and right. media and internet and video games and, and i mean nobody has a reason to buy a buy a record anymore um it, what's weird is people will go spend 14 16 20 30 dollars at a at a movie theater and watch um you know the bjorn sequel um or Bo- uh, sorry, Jason Bourne. <laughs> right, Bjorn. I've been in Europe too long. <laughs> Jason, Jason, ja- Jason Bjorn. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, and I'm going to go see the I'm going to go see the Bjorn movie, but, but the Bourne movie. <laughs> um, but like people will spend you know all this money on tickets and you know another twenty thirty on popcorn and candy and and Coca Cola, but they won't spend eight ninety nine on a, on a CD right um, or an iTunes thing. Um, they won't even spend nine ninety nine a month on a, a Spotify thing or Apple Music thing. Um, I, I'm a subscriber of both because uh, it's it's my industry, and I'm I'm trying to learn how each one works. And um, I love Spotify. I love Apple Music, um, and I love vinyl. I'm a huge vinyl collector again. Mm-hmm. And um, but Europe is just is like they're 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 still it's still visceral there. It's still right. like. They, they, they stick to their band. They're still, and there, there is that in the States, but it's just, uh, and in Europe, you, you, you have your French market and it's completely different than your German market. And then your right. Belgian and your, your Netherlands and, and then Luxembourg's right in there in the middle. And you have that mainland Europe and then, and then you hit Spain and you hit Italy and Switzerland and Vienna and Prague and, uh, uh, Poland and, and, and Riga and Tallinn and Helsinki. And then you go up in Scandinavia. Um, that's like each market is different and everybody's like hungry and loves rock and roll. They still think like, you know, um, a lot of, a lot of them think we're the second coming of, of Led Zeppelin, you know? Right. And, um, 
and which is cool. I love I love Zeppelin. You know, uh, John Bonham is one of the greatest drummers of all time. Mm-hmm. Like the one of the first, you know, uh, British British cats to to really play bombastic funk like like use ghost notes and and open hi hats and um because he listened to purdy he listened to aretha franklin live at the fillmore west 1971 right um and listened to purdy open up those hi hats like that and <laughs> um probably listened to donny hathaway uh and and otis and and you know all, all the blues stuff you mm-hmm. know he was great at blues but he could he was Played, he played funk on big drums, you know, and right. Mitch Mitchell, um, he was a swinger, man. He swang, he swang, he listened to black American music. That's what these guys, um, that's what these guys were, were doing. And I think Europe just still gets that. I, I think that's a humongous answer to your question, but. No, uh, I, and I agree with you that I spend a lot of time in Italy. My family lives there. I have a house there. Uh, and I noticed that there's not a lot of. People are on their cell phones, don't get me wrong, but there's not there's not a sort of addiction to video games and and I'm generalizing, but like but it it doesn't seem as prevalent as it does here that everyone is mm-hmm. like on Snapchat and Instagram and and you know all this other stuff. Now they use it over there and they're on Facebook and all that stuff. I'm not saying that, but it's just it does it doesn't seem as important over there as it does mm-hmm. over here, you know, now everybody's out to dinner here and they're on their phones rather than talking to the people at dinner. So mm-hmm. I agree with you on that front. Totally. It's, and it's, it's, it's more active and it's less sedentary. People mm-hmm. ride their bikes to work. They walk to work. They, they take trains to work. Now I'm, you're, you're in New York, right? Yeah. Um, so New York is a complete anomaly in the, in America. Right. Uh, yeah, I walk everywhere. I, I love New York. I, I, I walk and take trains everywhere when I'm in New York and, mm-hmm. um, uh, I have a, so I mean, for example, my wife and I, we have one car that we split and we probably drive it every seven to 10 days. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we go, we yeah, use it to go to the grocery store. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, although I love driving in New York, I'm i I'm a crazy driver, but I, <laughs> I, I, I can, I can handle the the pressure and the, and the, <laughs> right. and the, the lack of lane choices. Um, and, uh, it's like but yeah, it's, but you go to any city in Europe is going to be, have public transportation. They're going to have a bike lane. People are not sedentary. They're, they're, um, they're, they have blood flow. Their, their hearts mm-hmm. are beating and, and they're burning more calories. And, and I, I just think, so they're, so when you're more active, you're, you're more prone to seeking and looking and, and, and so, and yeah, they'll, they'll get on the train and, and check their Facebook and check their, all their stuff, but then they're on they're on their bike and they're, right. they're you know, and so in, in America, we have a lot of driving culture and, 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 and going to and from your job and home, home job, home freeway job, home freeway job. And, um, it's, I, it's, it's easy to get in a rut. I heard, know? I heard a quote the other day and I feel like I can say this cause I used to smoke and I don't anymore, but it said sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind yeah. of interesting of like, cause now everybody's getting stand up desks and, yeah, and yeah. all this kind of crazy stuff, which kind of, this is a good segue because I'd like to ask you about this too. Um, so what are, what are some things that you do on a daily basis outside of drumming? What are maybe some daily habits that you have to, you know, keep yourself healthy or keep your mind healthy or that helps you sort of structure your day or, or your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that like, I mean, being on the road is totally different than being home, but. Well, in, um, in California, 
Um, I will, uh, I will try to surf, you know, two, three, four times a week if I can, like it, it when it's warmer. Right. Um, uh, although I am, I'm doing, um, on a daily basis, I'm doing this Wim Hof thing, um, doing cold water, cold stress, working my way up to ice baths and, uh, doing the whole cold stress thing and the breathing. It's really insane. And it's, um, it's actually honing in a lot of, uh, stuff in me, like mentally, spiritually, uh, emotionally, physically, you know, like Isn't my that, whole, my whole being. Doesn't it's, uh, it's, Tony it, Robbins do that too? Um, I'm not sure. Tony Robbins walks on like hot coals, I think, or something, but he does um, do that too. Uh, yeah, but, but the whole, like, you know, the, the human body is, is, is more adaptable than we all think. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I, I so now in Estonia, I'm either like running, swimming at some point. Um, uh, I'll wake up, I'll hang out with my boy. Uh, we'll read, I'll read my Kindle and he reads his books or he'll play with his little tractors and, or I'll check emails cause I'm 10 hours ahead of LA. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, I'll usually check baseball scores and uh, I'm an angels fan and, uh, we're not doing too well this year. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Phillies fan. So I feel oh, your pain. Yeah. Oh man. Um, Phillies, you, you had a good run there, yeah. uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, we won one. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I check baseball scores when I'm over here in Europe. Um, when I'm in the countryside, uh, my wife's parents have a place in the countryside. Um, I'll usually wake up and, and, and just walk out. They have like 20 acres. And so I'll just walk out and the grill house, they have a grill house and another refrigerator out there and all my healthy food stuff is out in that fridge. So in the morning I'll walk out get my, my feet in the wet grass. And sometimes it's cold in the morning in Estonia. And, um, and then we'll throughout the day, we'll garden, we'll, we'll pick potatoes or plant potatoes, um, and strawberries and kale and, and garlic and onions and uh, nice. cucumbers and golden berries. And, and uh, you name it, the herb garden. We have uh, wild blueberries, wild black currants, wild blackberries, um, it's insane here. So, I mean, I just literally walk across property and just peel off a big kale leaf and, and grab a handful of blueberries and just have a, like a blue, a kale blueberry wrap, you know, I and, like it. and then I'll, I'll mow the lawn and I got a pull up bar, a kettlebell and, and, and there's a river and there I have a gym. And so I, I, I'm just constantly moving, you know? Right. And so, um, so yeah, or, or I'll just dunk myself into a, uh, like a 50 degree, um, you know, bathtub and, Yikes. and, and do deep breathing and, and it's really good, man. It's good. It's good for your body. It's good for your, your joints and arthritis and, and, um, not that I, I have I take arthritis. A, I take a just, cold shower in the morning once in a while. To wake you do? Yeah, up. no, yeah. I do. I'll do like 30 seconds to a minute cold and then I'll, I'll kind of wash myself with the warm um, do some more cold and then I'll, um, do some more warm and then finish cold and, or I'll just do like five minutes cold, you know, and just, and it's crazy. You get used to it quicker than you think. It's, right. it's the last thing I want to do before I step into the bath. But when I do it, I, I have energy. Um, I'm you just like, have to get over the initial, like, <gasps> you know, yeah. the initial shock. And then after yeah. that, you're like, all right, this isn't, this isn't that bad. And, and like dig in, like do research, like what this cold, cold stress does. Look up Ray Cronice, um, or, um, Ray Cronice was in the, the four hour body with Tim Ferriss. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he lost a bunch of weight, uh, using 
uh, cold and shivering, shiver walks and, and um, exposing himself to the cold um, because you're, 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 uh, your body starts burning more fuel um, to keep yourself warm when you're in the cold. And so um, you mix that with like a no processed food, no sugar, no oil, plant-based kind of diet. And like Penn Gillette lost a hundred pounds on this, on this whole thing. And hmm. uh, I pretty much, I, I eat 90% uh, plant-based, you know, 95%. If not, I don't call myself a vegan or a vegetarian, but um, I, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any desire to eat meat anymore. Um, cause the way I feel now is just insane, um, on a plant-based diet. So like when I'm home on tour, off tour, I'm, I'm, I'm like resetting the batteries or, you know, like resetting the hard drive and recharging the batteries and, um, catching up on sleep tour is another thing. Like on tour, every day is different. You're waking up in a different city. You're on a right. bus, you're in a hotel a day off. Uh, you go, we, we do arenas with black Sabbath and then we do our own headliners and clubs. So I'm waking up at a club or an arena and the arenas, I, I gotta say are nice. You walk in, there's catering, there's showers. It's like, it's, it's a basketball arena. There's, there's like a gym if you want. I mean, you can probably go find some, some weights if you wanted mm-hmm. to do that. Or, um, I, I have a practice, a DW go anywhere practice pad kit, um, set up and I'll, I'll, I'll do my, um, my Gary Chafee linear funk stuff. Uh, on my, on my pads and stuff and, and to go run six miles and come back and, you know, so I probably sound crazy to a lot of people, but I don't think so. I'm I, into I, all this. I, um, I, th- the listeners know that I'm all, I'm into all this crazy stuff too. So, yeah. So it sounds like normal. I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a lot of stuff that I do. You are what you eat. You are what you think, you know, you it's, it's, if, if you are lethargic, um, and you know, there's a time and a place to sit and chill and, and watch relax, sure. and watch like, nine game of thrones episodes in a row right. and just do nothing yes you like balance is balance is great i'm all about balance um i i but game of thrones i was watching as it as it goes week you know as the weeks went but um i i just cut chewed the whole uh, peaky blinders um <laughs> you know the, the, this last season which is just horrible ending i hated it it was great but i, I just i hated the ending but um so yeah, I mean, there's there's a time and a place for Netflix and um, time and a place for drum videos. There's time and place for exercise and right. Um, you know, we're we're not getting any we're not getting any younger. So I just want to, um, you know, I want to be able to like play play football with my my kid. He's he's three, so I have right. like if he's playing high school football. I have like 15 years to to have to stay in shape. <laughs> right. That's how I, I'm like, man, I want to be I want to live to I'm, you know 120 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, look up health span. Look, look up. You know these uh, Ray Cronice and Rhonda Patrick and. Um, I actually just made, I made some notes and I'll put it in the show notes for the podcast as well, so that people can check it out. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joel Furman, uh, the the diet uh, I do. It's not even a diet. It's just a way of life. It's it's nutritarian. It's just high nutrients, low calories, and right. um and man, I mean, I don't know if you can hear my voice. I'm like on fire, man. It's uh, I haven't had coffee. It's eight. It's almost nine o'clock p.m. over here in Estonia, and um, I have tons of energy. I've eaten like two small meals today, and um, I practiced for three hours. I spent an hour in the park with my son, um, and I uh, did some business emails. What else did I do today? Oh, I, I went to a phys- physio, a new physio I got here who does uh, deep deep tissue and acupressure work. Nice. Um, opening up my shoulder capsules. <laughs> 
So I like it, man. I, that's, yeah, I I I'm with you. I really am. You would mention what's what are some book recommendations you recommend? You said you read your Kindle. So what are some some book um, recommendations? I, I um I re- well I just finished Eat to Live by Joel Furman. Um, I always go back to the Four Hour Body because he's just Tim Ferriss does just crazy stuff with his self experimentation stuff and um uh and then um you know I read like shoot um trying to think like i'm reading uh brothers karamazov right now mm-hmm. i've been reading that for like a year um slowly <laughs> so i i have you know a bunch of books in there i'm trying to think of um what's in my queue right now um but uh i and then i watch a lot of uh youtube and listen to a lot of podcasts so um i really appreciate what you're doing in this po- podcast world i've kind of like been inspired to do a podcast. I don't, I, I'm so all over the map. I don't know how, what I would call it, you know? Right. Um, uh, I, I don't know if I would do a music thing. I'd probably do a nerdy, um, like health, health thing, you know? I'm um, thinking about launching another one, but I don't know. Yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't narrowed it down yet, so I'm not going to say anything. Let's, but. let's do like a Penn and Teller or you like a, what's that Matt and Mattingly, you know, those guys? No. <laughs> They're, um, uh, yeah, we could just riff, riff on, on like, all, like just riff on the whole, you know, Tim Ferriss, all I'm these, in. all these healthy people are literally, this is the new phase, man, that the, the American diet is, is, um, the, 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 what is it? The, the FDA or the RDA recommended right. daily stuff and the food pyramid and, and six to 11 servings of grains and, 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 uh, cereals and processed and bread, like, yeah. um, and, and all, all these things, since the food pyramid happened, um, cancer, and heart disease, strokes, uh, Alzheimer's, arthritis, all these things that inhibit people and make people old and decrepit in their old age are, are really since all these diseases are from the last century, you know, since yeah. we created this food pyramid and we started overeating, like, yeah, that's over- what we do calorifying and i love a big bowl of bolognese man i'll, I'll eat <laughs> ragu man but i'll do ragu like i'll do that like every two weeks like if i All went right. to your house and like your mom made some spaghetti you know like i'd i'd be like okay i'm gonna have some wine and spaghetti tonight <laughs> right. but you know 99 percent of the time i'm i'm eating kale you gotta, you gotta balance it man <laughs> like you know gut health is important i yeah. mean we're sort of we're definitely like off the reservation now but like you know, I think that it's important for people to be people got to be healthy. People need to understand that the things that are, you know, you see on TV and things aren't necessarily the best things all the time. That's all. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. force anything down anybody's throat, but like, no, check it out. No. Like, go read about like some gut health and some, you know, about some. some totally. Just about. And that's. Yeah, it's not it's not preaching. It's 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 like just sharing, sharing information. And if I just want open, people to be healthier. Yeah. Know? Like I. I I'm so liberal. I'm like, I'm almost conservative, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta be open-minded and, uh, you know, um, I'm so open-minded. I might vote for Trump. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I could. I, it's, he's, a uh, no political, we'll talk politics. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no politics and no religion. No. I don't talk. Um, so but no, but being, I, being open-minded to, to health stuff, you know? Yes, totally. <laughs> that's a, that's a good thing for everybody. Uh, so before I let you go, let's talk about your new album. Yeah. Yeah. Hollow Bones uh, came out June 10th and um, we did nine tracks. It's 39 minutes. It's it's uh, sort of like, you know, old school astral weeks, you know, like had eight songs and 
um, the way they used to make records. I mean, people's attention spans, people won't even buy one song, let alone 12 or 14. Like, so I, I think bands make too many songs and you're only going to hear one, maybe two, maybe three on the radio. Um, unless you're a super fan, um, you know, making too many songs is, is, uh, in, in this world, in this music market is, I don't know. I'm, I'm not for it, at least for my band. So we made, we're making smaller records now. Great Western Valkyrie was 10 songs. And, um, this one is so concise, so uh, action packed. There's, there's the drumming is, is super funky. Um, I got to really dig into, uh, you know, we write together, we write a song a day in the studio. We don't, no pre-production, no preparation. Mm-hmm. We go in, we get sounds. Um, and you know, we have our, our, our main drum sound. Um, this time we used a, a, a Gretsch broadcaster in the main big tracking room. And, um, uh, and then, and then we had another makeshift kit in, in a, like a medium room. And we ended up using most of the medium room tracks. Um, but it's real punchy. Um, I'm really proud of, of the drumming. The songwriting is, is, is insane. Jay's voice is great. The guitar tones are just insane. We worked with Dave Cobb who just won like three Grammys. Nice. Um, it was Chris Stapleton, Jason Isbell and Sturgill Simpson. He's a big country. Um, he's making his, his way as a country producer in Nashville right now. And we've done all, we've done six records now. And so, um, including our, our, uh, EP. And so, um, so yeah, we're just, we're, we're kicking away, man. And we're plan we're already planning 2017 right now. The emails are flying back and forth on how we're going to structure our year next year. Nice. And, um, possibly taking some time off. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of itching for, for a few months off. We've been working nonstop touring Europe since 2011. So yeah. five years straight. So, um, oh, man. yeah. So I don't know. I, I would suggest picking up hollow bones. Um, we're going to be doing a video for thundering voices, uh, really soon. Thundering voices, the single, you can call your radio station, um, call your local metal station and see if they'll (laughs) say, um, you know, KLOS and the classic rock stations. Um, Casey, uh, uh, the riff in Philly, um, or no, the riff in, uh, uh, Detroit, um, WMMR in uh, Philly, uh, there's the New York station. I forgot the the call letters. Um, it's it's like more of a classic rock station, but um, classic rock's picking up on us and and playing our stuff and and realizing that they can play new music. And I, um, I think that I think it fits, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it totally it's, it's fits. A, it used to. We used to kind of want to be. Hey, we're a new band. We're 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 new. We're you know. And everyone's going. Yeah, it sounds like Zeppelin. It's a Zeppelin. You know the reincarnation of Zeppelin or some, when people are bagging, they're like, yeah, Zeppelin ripoff, you know? Um, it's good to have haters, you know, right. but, um, if you don't have you know, haters, you're not, you're not, doing we're playing, right. we're playing blues and R and B maximum R and B like the who called it. Um, it, it, it was the, the British invasion was, uh, suburban, um, uh, middle-class uh, British kids playing black American music and turning it up real loud on and play, using big drums. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's the formula of the, that British invasion sound. And so after, after like deep purple and like bad company, um, you start getting into like foreigner and, um, uh, you know, like, like rock kind of lost its, that, that 
balls. You know, it's mm-hmm. balls. <laughs> you uh, should listen to the interview that I did with Carmine Apice. Oh yeah, I, I, I've heard he's pretty opinionated. I haven't, yeah. I haven't like heard verbatim anything he said, but uh, I'm sure it was pretty entertaining from what I've heard. <laughs> it definitely was. All right, yeah, so like, I got one. Yes. I got one yeah. last question for you. Yeah. Who's your favorite baseball player? Right now, currently, or of all time? Of all time. All time. Oh man. <sighs> Come on, this should be a super easy well, answer for you. I mean, gosh, growing up, like. I was I was grew up in the Bay Area, so Reggie Jackson, and then I went I moved to Anaheim, and so Reggie Jackson went to Anaheim. I loved Reggie Jackson, uh, Doug DeSensei, um, dude, uh, Mike, Jose Canseco, Mike Miley, I mean, Mike Trout, Mike oh, Trout, Mike Miley, Mike, oh Mike Miley, yeah, Mike Miley on he's on the um, Cincinnati Reds now. No, the Mike he played for the Angels from oh, nine from seventy five oh. to seventy six or seventy seven, something I, like that. Aircraft, that Mike Miley, yeah, yeah. Uh, God rest his soul. Yeah. Um, he, uh, no, I would say I, I'm going to go with Mike Trout. Cause I think Mike Trout is new. He's, he's now, and he's, he's setting records like every day. Um, I'm an angel fan. I get to watch the stats every day. He's, he's just, he's a superhuman. And even the old timers are, are saying, we, we watched Mickey Mantle. We watched Willie Mays. We watched these guys and he's breaking their records. Like, um, he's a beast. He, he's a beast. Yeah. yeah. So, Agreed. um, I love, you know what I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to say, I'm probably going to piss off you and a lot of other people. I'm going to say Derek, Derek freaking Jeter. No, man. I think, I that, think I that guy all around one of the best baseball players ever to walk the walk the face of the earth. I man. hate the man, but I respect him. Yep, yeah, I know. I, yeah. Angels hate the Yankees too. So yeah, there you go. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you for, taking all this time to chat with me about drums and life and baseball and all sorts of things, man. I, I really do appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me on. You, you want to say bye, Jacob? Say ciao. 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 Ci amo. Ci vediamo. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're going to learn some Italian, huh, buddy? He's getting all shy. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. And um, Thank you very much, man. Rebelsons.com. Check us out. Um, we're on tour with Black Sabbath. And... Uh, yeah, looking forward to meeting you. And I'll be on the I'll be on the East Coast in two weeks, man. We should hang. Let's do it, man. I'll uh, okay. two weeks. I will. I should. Yeah, I think I'm home. So let's do it. And yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll link to everything in the in the show notes for everybody to check out. And uh, but until then, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. All right, Peace. brother. See you. So there you have it, the one and only Mike Miley. If you get a chance to check them out, they're on tour right now with Black Sabbath. It's a hell of a show. I'm going to the one here in New Jersey at PNC Art Center. So if anybody's going to that one, let me know. We can meet up. But I definitely recommend going to check these guys out. They're a fantastic band. You can learn all about them and get all the links and everything that we talked about in the podcast show notes at drummersresource.com forward slash session 196. Also, please don't forget to vote for Drummers Resource for the 2016 Drummies and you can just go to drummersresource.com forward slash vote V-O-T-E 
and we are nominated for the best general interest drumming website. It's a long title, but uh, but if you could vote for Drummers Resource, I would really appreciate it. If, like I said, if you've gotten any value out of these podcasts, that's the one way that that you can pay me back. So I guess I don't know. Pack your bags. We're going on a guilt trip. I'm guilting you into voting, but in all seriousness, I would really appreciate it uh, if you would take take 30 seconds to to vote for Drummers Resource. It would mean the world to me. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.